Good evening, my friends. This is OKP number nine, and it's going to be solo number eight, I believe. Um, I do not have a guest for this week. However, I am, as I've said in the past, I'm working, and I believe that this guest will come on. Uh, we've got it scheduled tentatively right now for next Tuesday. Uh, that should be a good one. I think we have some good talks, or we've got some good topics lined out right now, and he seems enthusiastic about it, so uh, looking forward to it. Uh, for today's topic, though, I want to discuss Buddhism. Uh, once again, a, a topic within Buddhism. Um, recently, uh, one of my goals has been to listen more to the Buddhist teacher that I've mentioned previously, uh, Gil Franzdahl. There was a point in the summer when I stopped listening to him as regularly as I normally would, and my logic behind that decision was that at that time I was reading a number of Buddhist books. Uh, I was reading Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shinryo Suzuki, and then I actually had a couple books uh, from Gil, uh, written by Gil, that I was also uh, reading. So I thought, well, I've got uh, this inflow of Buddhism, uh, I didn't want to double down on it and listen to his podcast as well. And from a on a lighter note, I also didn't really know, I guess, how to actually efficiently use Apple Podcasts uh, until now. I didn't realize that I could just individually download uh, episodes that were recorded by Gil because the Insight Meditation Center has a number of meditation teachers, and I, I really just like to listen to Gil um, and before I learned how to use it, use the, the podcast app efficiently, I was subscribed to the podcast, which meant that every single episode by, uh, Insight Meditation Center was downloaded to my phone. So I'd always have to shuffle through and find Gil. And now I have unsubscribed and I only download Gil's episodes. So it makes it very easy for me to just listen to what he has to say. And I felt that I was listening to, or I had I had come upon this at a, at a good time again here in the beginning of December because Gil does what he calls, uh, he started this in the beginning of COVID, he calls them dharmets. And in Buddhism, uh, where one might, one, maybe a Christian might go to Sunday Mass, um, a Buddhist, and listen to, you know, a Christian would go to Sunday Mass, they'd listen to the preacher uh, give a lecture on something relating to the Bible. Um, in Buddhism, they go to temple or whatever you want to call it, church, and the uh, Zen master or the Buddhist teacher, meditation teacher, gives a talk relating to the Dhammapada, which is essentially, it's not really, I mean, it's, it's just the teachings of the Buddha. Um, and so, they call those Dharma talks, and so Gil, at the beginning of COVID, decided to start giving Dharmets, so short little Dharma talks uh, regarding a, a wide range of uh, Buddhist principles and teachings and stories, uh, which I personally, I'm like, you know, I don't really, I've never really listened religiously to any other meditation teacher, but I would say that Gil's performance and uh, discipline and consistency with these Dharmets over the last 10 or so months uh, has been astounding and it actually for any any Theravadan Buddhist or any person that's interested in Buddhism I mean he 
does a, a fantastic job with a huge number of uh, topics regarding Buddhism. So anyways, uh, came upon his Dharmets again here in the beginning of, 20, uh, beginning of December, and he was discussing the Eightfold Path, which I think is an interesting, uh, really interesting part of, of Buddhism. Uh, the Eightfold Path is one that a Buddhist practitioner or student follows um, to embody the spiritual uh, life, uh, to live a religious life, and one that they believe um, leads to a good life. Uh, it's said that you know the, the, the Eightfold Path is not something that you uh, become, it's something that uh, is within each one of us, um, and, and when you become uh, aware of it and you start to cultivate the principles within it, I believe that you start to realize the importance of the teachings of the Eightfold Path. And it's similar to me, uh, similar to the saying that, you know, uh, through, I've said this in the, in the previous Buddhist podcast, uh, that through pulling weeds, uh, your mental weeds, that gives room for enlightenment to grow. Um, and that, you know, could be considered the Eightfold Path. It's one that, as Gil says, is somewhat of our birthright. And so it was really, it's been really interesting. And, and I don't necessarily want to talk today about, about uh, the Eightfold Path as, as, more, as much as I want to talk about a topic that Gil has been discussing within those Dharmets, which is nothingness and which is uh, acknowledging the absence of aspects of life. Um, he talks about how through cultivating the mind and through meditation, one can become aware of what life is like, what life is like when certain things are absent. Um, there's a practice or there's a, there's a, a, a set of principles, um, they call them the, uh, the five precepts, which are essentially similar to the Ten Commandments, which are, you know, not to cloud the mind with toxins, not to engage in sexual misconduct, not to lie, not to steal. Uh, what's the other one? I can't think of the fifth one right now. But essentially, they are, they are rules to live by. Um, and through meditation, through cultivating, you can see that as you begin to acknowledge and, and think about these topics, you will realize the improvement in your mental and physical life with the absence of that. Um, through acknowledging and understanding the importance of, as I spoke about in the sobriety podcast, um, just really being aware of how these toxins can affect you um, it is important that once you start to abstain from that or, or give yourself a break or take it, uh, moderate yourself with that, um, you need to appreciate the absence of those. And one easy thing uh, or easy aspect of life that I've, you know, since listening to Gil talk about this, that I've quickly kind of uh, understood or, or realized was uh, just something as simple as not picking up my phone um, 
for the first three, four hours of the day. Um, as all of you know, by now, you know, I like, I make bread and while it is not a hugely complex process, one of the more labor intensive processes is actually just mixing the dough. And I get up early in the morning, I start to mix it. Um, and it's just a variety of different steps to do so and to really develop the dough to, to the stage where it can be dumped into the final bin where it, it begins to ferment and rise and develop. Um, and through, you know, typically I would be up, I'd be, you know, caffeinated. I would either have my coffee or my tea. I'd be signed into my work computer. So I would be trying to appear active on that. Um, all the while uh, mixing my dough and playing on my phone. And through having a bit more of intention of when to pick up my phone and when to really engage with social media or engage with uh, text messages or my buddies or anything like that, um, that just would really clutter my mind. And it was almost without even without even realizing it, I would suddenly be in a big frenzy. You know, I would, I would be like, flustered <clears throat> from a mental from a mental state and it always kind of perplexed me because I was like man I'm really not doing much right now I'm all I'm doing is mixing the dough which I know how to do I'm you know <clears throat> excuse me checking my email kind of getting started for the day uh, for work I'm really not doing much you know maybe listening to some music or something like that but why do I feel so flustered um, and it wasn't until I started to really take uh, take a break from my phone in the morning because one of my one of my goals is really to uh, uh, cut down on my phone time that I started to realize that the phone was causing that kind of turmoil, that mental storm wherein I would just feel so flustered and so cluttered. And the way I was, I was talking to Sandra about it today, um, I would feel as though I suddenly was multitasking, doing a ton of different tasks, but in reality, I really wasn't. And my thought is that, you know, when you do start to seriously engage in your phone, because I'll engage with my phone a little bit, I'll set the timer for my meditation in the morning, um, and I'll set the timers for my dough, uh, but really, that's not engaging with it. You know, I'm not clicking on Instagram, I'm not clicking on Snapchat, I'm not clicking on my texts or checking my email. Um, I'm really just using a timer, but when I am not being intentional, I am checking out Snapchat, Instagram, email, Facebook, it's almost as though a switch has been flipped in my brain to be like, you are multitasking. When in reality, I'm not multitasking. I'm, you know, my phone is down. I'm working on the dough. It's like, it's just it really, your phone really pulls at your mind, uh, and makes you think that, you're doing things when you aren't. And when I was listening to Gil and at the same time trying to abstain from my phone, it really allowed me to uh, appreciate the absence and appreciate the effect that the absence of the phone uh, had on me. And so that's an important topic of Buddhism. And it's a, it's a way, I think, to identify the aspects of your life that are, are uh, <clears throat> causing any sort of suffering that are causing any sort of mental angst or 
mental cloudiness. And it's just something that I think is very easy to forget. I think that the phone example is one that we can all kind of relate to because it's just so present in our everyday life. And it's one that many of us fail to acknowledge is somewhat of an addiction, somewhat of a bad habit. Um, Excuse me, my throat is super dry right now for some reason. Anyways, um, just acknowledging that absence is, is, is important. And in Buddhism, what Gil's talking about is like acknowledging the absence of lying, acknowledging the absence of toxins, acknowledging the absence of uh, not engaging in, in sexual misconduct uh, and just not engaging with any of the five, the five precepts. And it's just, you know, I think we always kind of talk about or think about obtaining things, and and that's something Gil talks about as well, is, you know, we always kind of want to obtain, want to consume, and these are what we believe is going to make us happy, Um, when in reality, there are many more things that we don't have that have the potential to bring us joy, um, or that the absence of can bring us joy, and we need to acknowledge that more. And just almost kind of, I look at it and almost be like, you know, what can you strip away? What can you abstain from? What can you be absent from? Uh, and that will that will improve your quality of life. So I thought that was interesting. I think it's something to, to think about um, nothingness. And so that kind of leads me into what I was going to talk about next, which is, again, nothingness, but from a different perspective. And that's uh, as I've spoken about by previous podcasts, uh, Alan Watts, and I, I am happy to say that I just finished his autobiography um, about 20 minutes ago, and it was interesting because the final two chapters were very, very cool. Um, the second to last chapter is called Soul Searchers, in in which or wherein he he discusses his encounter with psychotherapists and psychologists and he actually uh, really has a great discussion with Carl Jung um, and he talks all about that and in that chapter he kind of it's interesting how he calls it soul searchers because you have the that school of thought on how to how to be a soul searcher and then in the final half of that chapter he starts to talk about his own experience with psychedelics and uh, particularly LSD, and you have that school of uh, soul searchers. And it's interesting, I was talking to Sandra again on it, about it up in Lake Tahoe this last weekend. Uh, she just recently, we just recently went to Henry Miller Library, uh, and I, I got a couple books uh, by Alan Watts, and she got a book by Aldous Huxley called Doors of Perception and Heaven and Hell. It's two different essays written by Aldous or Huxley, and uh it's interesting because in Soul Searchers, the chapter that that I was I'm referencing in Watts's autobiography, Watts actually talks about heaven and hell and uh, doors of perception because he was friends with Huxley and they actually tripped together, took acid, uh, but they took them in in much more of an exper- experimental fashion, um, not so much the fashion that you or I might think about when uh, we 
hear about people taking psychedelics. It's not in a party setting. They're kind of really from a research standpoint, um, especially with people. It's interesting because they, in these research studies, they specifically sought out those that were familiar with not necessarily the metaphysical, but really were just engaged and educated and understood uh, really deep facets of life. Uh, whereas like Watts, you know, he's a philosopher more geared towards Oriental philosophy. And they wanted people that kind of dealt with and sought out the mystic aspects of life uh, to take these drugs and to commentate on, on the effects. So anyways, thought that was cool. Thought that was a great chapter. Uh, very interesting. Um, I do like Alan Watts's message regarding psychedelics, which is uh, once you get the message, it's best to hang up the phone. Uh, he is ref he's saying that because he has a, in the chapter, he discusses a, a, a man uh, who was really kind of the face of the psychedelic movement um, at that in that era. And he just spoke about how that individual so frequently consumed psychedelics that it really started to uh, take over his life. And he really started to, 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 as opposed to really understanding your ego and really, really understanding yourself, he started to really grow an ego and become, sorry about that. I had to, uh, my, my good friend Waylon, the young, young boy that lives with my buddy and landlord was knocking on my door to tell me that, uh, I had had some mail, so went up to go get my mail and talked a little bit with them. Uh, however, you didn't know that because I stopped the recording. Anyways, I was talking about how Watts was saying that uh, once you get the message, it's best to hang up the phone regarding psychedelics, and he was talking about referencing his friend uh, who really began to grow some sort of an ego, and I just really like that saying, once you get the message, it's best to hang up the phone uh, regarding those types of uh, drugs. Uh, and I think those that have consumed them would kind of understand and agree with what he has to say uh, on that. And so that's the, that's the second to last chapter. Then the final chapter is called The Sound of Rain, uh, wherein he describes his trip to Japan, which again is something that I think is really cool because... That is a topic that I have really been meaning to, to write about because I uh, went to Japan myself for the first time uh, in early or late February of 2020, and it's something that I've really wanted to write about. Um, and so it's interesting to see that Watts is actually writing about his experience in Japan, and he really starts to kind of talk about Zen, and he actually talks about nothingness as well, uh, and I want to read a passage uh, regarding what he says on nothingness. It's a little lengthy, as we all know from me reading his passages before, but here goes. Perhaps I can express this Buddhist fascination for the mystery of nothingness in another way. If we get rid of all wishful thinking and dubious metaphysical speculations, we can hardly doubt that, at a time not too distant, each one of us will simply cease to be. It won't be like going into darkness forever, for there will be neither darkness nor time nor sense of futility nor anyone to feel anything about it. Try as best you can to, manage, to imagine this and keep at it. 
the universe will supposedly be going on as usual, but for each individual it will be as if it had never happened at all, and even that is saying too much, because there won't be anyone for whom it never happened. Make this prospect as real as possible, the one total certainty. You will be as if you had never existed, which was, however, the way you were, you were before you did exist, and not only you, but everything else. Nevertheless, with such an improbable past, here we are. We begin from nothing and end in nothing. You can say that again. Think it over and over, trying to conceive the fact of coming to never having existed. After a while, you will begin to feel rather weird, as if this very apparent something that you are is at the t same time nothing at all. Indeed, you seem to be rather firmly and certainly grounded in nothingness, much as your sight seems to emerge from the total blackness behind your eyes the weird feeling goes the weird feeling goes with the fact that you are begin being introduced to a new common sense a new logic in which you are beginning to realize the identity of ku and shiki void in form all of a sudden it will strike you that this nothingness is the most potent magical basic and reliable thing you ever thought of and that the reason you can't form the slightest idea of it is that it's yourself, not, but not the self you thought you were. And so I think that he, in that passage, is certainly talking about a much deeper recognition of absence um, than I was earlier regarding the absence of a telephone or the, the interaction with your own cell phone. And what he's really getting at is, is something that I've thought a lot about uh, or at least, you know, contemplated because what he's talking about is the recognition and the dissolution of the self and the non-attachment to oneself, which is something that Buddhism really talks about a lot. You know, like it's, it's almost as though you practice long enough and suddenly you, uh, it's, you know, Buddhism is all about, uh, not being attached to certain things and not being attached to anything really. And, that goes as far as not being attached to the self, like not being attached to existence. And that is something that I've always struggled with understanding. And I still struggle with understanding that because it's like, how, how do I cease to be attached to myself? And what does that really mean? Um, and so I just really like that passage. And I think that that's what Watts is kind of talking about is just fully understanding that we began from nothing and we will end in nothing. And that there's nothing really wrong with that. And that in between those two time periods, everything is, is incredibly magical and mystical. And everything is just so, to use the word miraculous, that that should be an understanding. It's almost like, like he says, it's a new logic. It's a new common sense. And I think that the recognition of that and the understanding of the and the full digestion of that leads to a certain level of freedom, which I don't know. It kind of gives you a, a you know I don't I certainly don't know or consider myself to have fully digested that. But in thinking that, it just kind of you know if that's what you really believe and that's what you you understand, not even believe but understand because that is what that's the other great thing about Buddhism is that. All of the concepts are things that are meant for you to understand. It's not, there's no belief. It's just an, an, an understanding of an experience. And 
and having faith that through these practices you can begin to experience the things that Buddhists talk about, which is, again, nothingness. And so I think that through understanding and experiencing this feeling of nothingness, a feeling of freedom comes about that and just is like, it's almost a sense of honesty and just being like, you know what, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And I think in that, again, for me, naturally, everything that I listen to when it's Gil, whether it's this, I kind of relate to my own current turmoil, which is, again, wanting to start a bakery and, and you know, knowing that that is what I consider my freedom, uh, my true identity, my, my path towards reaching my potential um, really makes me just think, like, man, I... It's helping you cope with those big, big decisions uh, that one might need to make to pursue something like that. And I think it can be, you know, these these topics, this this understanding of nothingness, this understanding of self can be used for big decisions like that. And it should also be uh, maybe even more so used for, for small everyday occurrences because that's what we really are, are living for. And, and uh, so I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool how the book ended. Um, my perception of Alan Watts certainly has changed 100%. I mean, I, I went into this knowing pretty much nothing about him other than uh, the few small lectures that I had heard on YouTube um, and what I, what I read from his Wikipedia page. Um, I feel like I have a much greater understanding of who he is as a person, and I'm excited to read uh, his, his following books. Um, I'm not going to read his books right away. I have a a book by Paolo Coelho called Aleph, A-L-E-P-H, that I'm going to read just to take a break from Watts. I've been meaning to read this book by Coelho for a little while, so looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of what my, you know, I hope this kind of all made sense, but uh, you know, I like talking about Buddhism, and I like talking about um, these topics that Watts is, is discussing, and maybe, you know, in the future I'll, I'll pick out certain topics that I found interesting from Alan Watts and uh, discuss them in a podcast. Um, so that's what I have today to talk about. Uh, as far as music goes, I do have a number of songs that I, I added. I mean, last week, my, uh, uh, my, let me see here. Last week, my Discover playlist was on fire. Um, and so I added quite a bit of songs to the OKP, not, not quite a bit, but I, well, actually, to be totally honest, I haven't added any songs to the OKP playlist, so I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it live, we're going to do it fucking live, all right, my first song that I want to add is called Heaven's Only Wish by Mormor, M-O-R-M-O-R, and it's an awesome song, it's really, really good, but uh, it's also a song that when I first listened to it, or when, you know, it probably would be something that you didn't really, uh, I didn't think I would like, but I wouldn't say that this is like my standard type of music, but it's, I think it's really good. Um, the second song I'm going to add is called Son of Yvonne, which is more of a standard song that I think if you know my type of music, that's the type of music I really like. Uh, it's much more lyrical hip hop. Um, I thought it was really good. And the third song I'm going to add, because I'm only going to add three I'll do Love Galaxy, which is another kind of interesting, I call it, you know, it's much more of like a psychedelic, um, lo-fi, 
I don't know if that's right, but uh, it's a good song. And so I'm going to add that. Those are my three songs. Um, and yeah, so that does it for this episode. I'm excited because this is, I think this is number nine. Let me double check on that. Let's see here. The auto cram program. Um, yes, this is number nine. And I'm excited about it because when I turned 27 this year, back in June, I made a, a list of like, you know, things I wanted to do during this year for 27. And one of those items um, was to record 10 podcasts. And uh, I'm excited that, it, you know, this is number nine and next week will be number 10. So I will have completed that well ahead of schedule. And I'm excited that number 10 will, will most likely end in an interview. Not an interview, but a discussion, um, which I'm really looking forward to. So I uh, hope you guys have a, a good day, good evening, and uh, check out those songs and maybe think of a little bit more about uh, uh, things that are absent in your life, uh, which improve the quality of your life, and maybe think of some things that uh, you know might be causing a little suffering that uh, you'd be better off being absent from for a little while. Uh, or, or putting in a little more discipline on, on being absent from them. So uh, let me know what you think, and uh, I'll talk to you later, guys. Thank you.